3: I hope it's a happy and safe Labor Day for all of you out there because I'm not sure how safe it is in certain college towns across this country, specifically Baton Rouge, Louisiana, after LSU fell to UCLA, maybe even in Clemson, South Carolina, after the Tigers were stymied by the Georgia Bulldogs. So much to get to today on Fox Sports Sunday, a Labor Day edition, and I'm sure you've seen it on social media everywhere. Our final Sunday without NFL football until mid to late February of 2022. We have got you covered in that aspect as well. George and I giving you a sense of an NFL preview, uh, MVP talk, and all of that coming up here on Fox Sports Radio. Plus, we may say farewell to an NFL career and how that career of one cam newton will be viewed years from now but we start in college football george with a great great week one for some schools and some leagues because some other schools and some other leagues did not have a great labor day weekend and that is where we start on this saturday my friend
4: Yo, man, um, if anybody didn't look at my Fast Friday picks that I post on my website, bro, then they had a bad day. I predicted like damn near perfectly. Everybody that was going to win, I knew that UCLA was going to beat uh, LSU. That was like a layup to me. Like I, I could see that a mile away. My Oregon Ducks won. I mean, but like like you said, Dan, there are some college towns that are extremely sad. Baton Baton Rouge, they are they don't even know what to do. They are like, do we do we love Coach Ogeron or do we not? I mean, he just yeah. won a national championship in 2019, and there are people already like, this is not the guy. <laughs> just that quickly, and re- remember, like two weeks ago, when they announced that. LSU was going to be playing USC in 2024 in Allegiant mm-hmm. Stadium in 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 Las Vegas. What was the initial conversation? Well, the initial conversation was making fun of the alliance. That no, was no that no, was no, the,
3: no, right no, away, no no But uh, yo, yeah, oh, well, well, yeah, yeah. Well, true. just but but saying, like, all right, the Pac-12 already. Then you know, day, the alliance is a day old, and the Pac-12 is yeah. signed up with an SEC school. But okay,
4: so then well, what was the next thing? Um,
3: I, I'm going to, I'm going to guess, cause I, I don't know. I'm going to say maybe coach O against his,
4: uh, former school that he had coached at one point. Nope. It was, okay. it was, uh, w- what's the, the over, uh, the over under of one of the coaches that will, the current coaches of USC and LSU, will they be the head coaches when they play in 2024? Okay. All right. Like, well I didn't see that storyline. Oh, okay. I must have missed it somewhere. Well I was that's too busy. not that far away is the point. Is that it's not that far away in that people are already calling for people's jobs.
3: Well let's let's then let's start there. Let's start with, with what happens in Louisiana and what happens at LSU because if you look at Ed Orgeron's record in his time with the Tigers, they're forty five and fifteen. They have a national championship that is, check the calendar, uh, not even two years old. And we are already, there are already rumblings, as you said, that he could be out of a job. Very reminiscent of what happened to Gene Chizik at Auburn after they won their national championship and was let go a few years later. But my my point is, I, I, I think that we we rush to judgment too quickly and we forget a coach's strengths and we immediately look at the weaknesses and what needs to change. And I think that that is like half of college football, or maybe more than half is just getting great players, right? Isn't yeah. that, that's, that, that's what it is. And so if that's the strength of Ed Orgeron, that is what you need to do at LSU and you look at recruiting classes in the in the past and you look at since he took over in 2016 it's been the 2021 class and I'm just using I'll just use a generalization of recruiting class because there's rivals there's 24 7 there's scout bunch of different ones but 2021 top five class maybe third to fifth Uh, 2020 top five class same thing 2019 around the same number 2018 they were maybe in the in the low teens maybe in 10 11 12 13 around that area and 2017 eighth so recruiting wise it's there There's something in my mind that is not being translated from the recruiting to then wins on the field. But really, George, the wins have also been there if he's 45 and 15 with the national championship and an unbeaten season. So I just, it's not that LSU can't do better. It's just in my mind, how can you do this so quickly after a guy's won a national championship less than two years ago?
4: See, I I understand that fans are, you know, that that fans, that they demand, you know, success and that they want repeatable performances. And they're looking at Alabama, they're looking at Clemson, and they're saying, all right, look, these teams make it to the college football playoff every year. Why can't we, if we are, you know, we've got this great name, we have a, a coach and all of this stuff. So they want the consistency. And Ed Ogeron, for for some reason, right, when you look at him and and when you look at what he's done, and then last year, the team was so incredibly bad. Like, they obviously lost from the 2019 National Championship team, I think six first-rounders, or it it was Mm -hmm. an exorbitant amount of talent. But the fact that last year, the defense looked so incredibly bad, and that's what LSU is known for. Like that that twenty nineteen year was like an outlier in terms of LSU offense. So that's where people are frustrated, and I, and I, and I guess the biggest problem with Ed Ogeron is that it doesn't seem like that the team is trending in the right di- di- direction. But this year, I don't think that that's a fair assessment because you only played one game. And UCLA, I believe, is an extremely good football team. So I think the overreaction is more about people not understanding how good UCLA is as Mm -hmm. opposed to judging LSU. What do you think? uh,
3: And what do you think that Chip Kelly's strength is as a head coach? I'm just using because you oh, mentioned UCLA. Okay, he is
4: he his his offense. I mean, he's one of the innovators of modern yeah. offense, yep. and now he's reinvented his offense. And he is organized. He is, you know, his team doesn't play sloppy like like every single year. He's been been there, mind you. He only got his first two non-conference wins this year. But every year, the team looked to be getting better in different areas. And last year, you could see in the pandemic year, you could see, oh, wow, this defense might actually be really, really good. And this year, through two games, you're like, this defense is outstanding. So I think it's the organization and then just the fact that you see incremental gains every year.
3: And, and, and I think that Chip Kelly, when we use this argument, it, it's perfect because when you look at what's Nick Saban's strength, uh, he gets the best players and he gets the best coaches. Yep. Like like I I mean the the operation that he runs it, it's it's not meant to downplay what it's supposed to do is just simplify of why why Alabama is just such a juggernaut. And so that's where the gap is at LSU though because they're getting good players. They're getting really good players but it's the coaching that, that seems to be the issue. And so when you win a national championship and you lose assistance to other jobs, whether it be in the in the NFL or if it's other head coaching jobs like LSU had, you have to restock that or you have to replenish that. And I think that's where, that's where the gap is at LSU. And the thing that I think for everybody who's rushing the judgment about Ed Orgeron needing to be out at LSU is I do think it's a job that would be highly coveted in college football that would be a place where where coaches would want to go and coaches would want to be but it's also of are we going to be getting better players are we going to be able to keep that or even raise it to the next level than where we are right now and I think that's a legitimate question to ask the The problem isn't with Ed Orgeron at LSU in my mind it's there's just something that's not being translated when you're bringing in this to these type of players. And now they're not trying. It's not translating on the field or you're getting beaten by other schools. If you're in the recruiting rankings where they are, it tells me that some of these guys need to be coached up a little better. And that's the fault of Ed Orgeron. Not anything that he's done, because I don't think you can fault his coaching style because there have been CEO types. There have been guys who have looked over. There are guys who are recruiting guys. There are they're geniuses like Chip Kelly. They're you know guys like Ryan Day now at Ohio State who are bringing their version of their offense. He's a Chip Kelly disciple. Like there, there's different types of head coaches, and I think that's what we have to realize with that Orgeron is maybe it's his assistants. Maybe 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 they've got to get the you know Nick Saban where Bill O'Brien will Ex- you know let see? go of a head coaching job and go to Alabama. That's maybe that's a- what happens needs to happen at LSU and not get rid of Coach L.
4: See that's a very reasonable assessment, right? It- is that that is that he doesn't call plays? He doesn't, you, you know, he's not what he's not Lincoln Riley, he's not Chip, he's not mm-hmm. Ryan Day, he's not any of those those guys. And there's nothing wrong with a CEO type head no. head coach. Very common. And if you notice in their national championship season, all their assistants left. The uh, their their de- defensive Brick, coordinator yeah. he left to be the head coach at Baylor. Um, their, uh, officer coordinators left for head coaching jobs and then, uh, officer coordinator with the, with the Panthers. And I don't think, yeah, he didn't replace them with the type of talent, I guess, to, to get it done. And so I think that that's a fair point. It, It is something about you, Dan. I'm telling you this 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 baby has gotten <laughs> has gotten into you because now that you are Daddy Dan buyer, I have never I, agreed with you more than what's going on right now.
3: Well, the, you know, the, truly, I am fresh off of a nap of about an hour ago. I was telling the guys before the show that one of the toughest things to do when you have a four month old, is figuring out what you need to do with the little time that you have. So the yes. wife the, the wife takes the baby and I'm broadcasting from home, but she goes takes the ba- baby and they go to grandpa's place and they, you know, have a fun time for 3 hours while we are doing the show. She left an hour early today, and I'm like, my goodness, what am I going to do? This is a gift. (laughs) Yes, yes. So it was a quick power nap. So that's why I came out, and I was fresh and ready to go because I I was able to take advantage of the 40-minute nap that is so crucial that so many of us us need to have. But, I mean, Coach O, just quickly getting back to him, 45 and 15, and that is last year included, which – Not that we're giving passes for pandemic years, but remember, Jamar Chase didn't play at all for them last year. They were trying to replace the team that had won the national championship. So maybe it was even a little bit more difficult on LSU than it was on some other schools. So you take that out of the equation and he's 40 and 10, you know, I mean, Nick Saban wins at like an 85, 90% rate. So there's nothing you can do about that, but that's an 800 winning percentage. And I know that yesterday, maybe how yesterday played out, George, was the surprising fact of it. That 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 they around. Yeah, yeah, that UCLA was more physical with them. And maybe that is cause for concern. But if you step back and take a look, I think you really just need to assess the problem. And it's, it's the problem of going up against Nick Saban in Alabama because nothing is ever good enough because you are always competing with them. And if you feel like you're a step back, Of of you know from maybe the year before, then you're three or four behind Alabama. Nick Saban doesn't make it on easy on anybody, and this is another example.
4: Sometimes I think that teams are not realistic with where they are. Right? Is if you're LSU, you got a national championship now. Well, in 2019, you got one while Les Miles was there. the 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 program is still something that you can be extremely proud about. You see what Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? and oh, yeah. that and that LSU is like a I'm sorry um you have uh Alabama is a once in a you know like the, when when is the last time somebody has had this level of dominance in any sport, like you got to go back to like the uh, last time was UConn in women's basketball, and they don't even dominate like they did anymore mm-hmm. because there's more parity. Yeah. And so, what Nick Saban is doing—what six national championships in twelve years—that's like that can't be the goal. Like the goal has to be like there. There are people who even try to criticize Lincoln Riley. You're like this dude's in the playoff every single year. Yeah. I I get he hasn't won it. But you're not going to win it every year. Like, if he wins once every six years, you, it, it, I promise you, as much as I want my Oregon Ducks to win a national championship every year, if we are, if we win, you know, nine or 10 games a year and then win a national championship once every six years, Dan, I will die a happy man sure. as far as college football goes. I well, mean, wouldn't, wouldn't, if, if it, somebody told you that about the Seahawks, or the Milwaukee Bucks, what would you say?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't even take LSU, George, because 2003, they win it all with Saban. 2007, you mentioned they win it all with Les Miles. And then it's 2011, they come back, and they end up losing to Alabama in the national championship game, after they what beat them in the in the regular season, so you had the you had the rematch. But that also tells me is that you know what that is? That's a that's a that's a secular very very in step because of the classes. 2003 moves on, then you bring in the 2007 class, and they you know like like those are the years. It's an every three or four year cycle with them, and it worked out for them, and that's much more success than a lot of schools in college football, a majority of the schools in college football, and yeah, it's been a little while. Then it was, you know, it took until 2019, but that's only an eight year gap of when you were playing in a national championship game, which isn't, I mean, other schools would kill for something like that. You yeah, are 100% you're right.
4: right about that one, buddy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And the recognition, I mean, if you're happy with doing it every four years like you were, you know, fifteen, you know, 10, 15 years ago, then you need to give Coach O a little bit more time. He's George Reister. Get him on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me, Dan Beyer, on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Coming up next, so who did have it worse this weekend, the ACC or the Pac 12? We'll answer that question next year on Fox Sports Radio.
6: slash iHeart.
2: Terms and conditions apply.
3: Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Bayer. He's George Reister. Glad to have you with us. The NFL vet, the college football vet as well as we talk what happened yesterday in the world of college football. You're a Pac-12 guy. We just talked about UCLA beating LSU yesterday, George. That was the only thing that seemed to go right for the Pac-12 conference. Whoa. Yes. It, it, I mean, it was it, it was a rough day for the conference outside of how big that victory is but i guess maybe that's the million dollar question is does it really matter as long as UCLA beat LSU is it all good for the Pac-12 um
4: well see dan i i would uh, i would push back a little bit on your assessment of the Pac-12 b- because yes the Pac-12 did have a bad day as it relates to um as it relates to uh, Washington losing to Mon- Montana, which is mm-hmm. just absolutely abysmal, um, because they lost to an FCS school and th- and they were ranked. And people, people like Ryan Leaf, picked them to go twelve and zero, which was inexplicable to me to begin with. But um, Stanford getting absolutely taken behind the woodshed by Kansas State, um, which means intellectual brutality is still broken. Oregon State <laughs> losing.
3: Um Cal lost
4: the Nevada. Losing. Yep, a- Arizona you expected to uh, lose mm-hmm. and then uh Washington State finding a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory against U- Utah State wasn't good either. But damn but, but none of these teams aside from Washington was expected to even finish in the top half of the conference. You, you actually had all the teams besides Washington who people think are any good when UCLA won big game, USC won, Oregon won, uh, Arizona State and Utah won this week. So mm-hmm. like there's the, the I mean, like it was bad on the bottom half of the conference, but on the top half of the conference, everybody still swim, swimming along fine.
3: It's, it's actually why I think that the ACC had the worst weekend of, of any conference because of how things played out for. What oh, my was God. To yes. They're, they're two schools. best teams. Uh, yes, yes. They're
4: two the well, the three, no, actually, sorry, the three, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the three schools that people thought were going to. Be the best. So Clemson with DJ Ua Angalele, it was his first start. It did not go well at all. Like, yes, Georgia's pass rush was extremely good. But if you switch out Trevor Lawrence for DJ, you think you get a better performance, right? Yeah. And
3: honestly, and, I, 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 and I
4: thought. And Clemson's defense. No, go on. Well, I was going to just say the other thing about the other
3: thing about DJ is it's. It was not like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young making their debuts because we saw DJ last year at Notre
4: Dame, true. You
3: know, so that, that yeah, that's what he did was so have experience.
4: He played two games l- l- last year. Yeah, started he, two games,
3: and he played really well. And in that marquee game at Notre Dame, you are like, man, they're not going to miss a beat when he steps in. And then you see what happened yesterday, and that's what was so surprising. And that that's that was the other the other takeaway. Like we we totally gloss over the fact that Georgia only scored you know 10 points in the game
4: no no no, no. It, they, well you know? and, and they only scored three on offense if yeah. dj if dj didn't throw them a pick six would 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 we still be playing right now in a 3 to 3 tie <laughs> <laughs> i mean he, like that, georgia's georgia's offense was pedestrian too but but to get back to the point you had clemson who offensively looked atrocious. Right. And they look very vulnerable, even though that they were playing Georgia. But but still. Right. They still look a little Mm -hmm. vulnerable. Um, Miami. People were like, yo, this is the year that Miami could be back. Blah, blah. man. They've got drowned by by Alabama. I mean, it was just bad. If Alabama had wanted to score more points, they could have scored more than the 44 that they did. And um, and that was and,
3: another that was another no. game though, George. Where not if if Miami would have had a good showing, if let's just say they would have lost 38 to 27, we would say, okay, all right, you know what, Miami was supposed to lose that game anyway, but they fought with Alabama or they hung in there for three quarters. That you, it's that's not what happened. That that's not what happened at all. So you can't you can't even you they were even out say of the that.
4: game. They were out of the game in the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It it was over in the second quarter. When that when they went into halftime, it was twenty seven to three, and there wasn't a single person in the stadium that was like, Ooh, ooh. But had it been the other way around, everybody would have would have thought, Oh, Alabama will make this close in the second half. But then you also had North Carolina lose to Virginia Tech, and Sam Howell didn't look very good. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that the ACC by far had the worst day. They, they had their three best teams lose. And they are essentially, and I, and I know that this is early on, but Miami ain't making the playoffs. You, you can count them out. North Carolina they could still technically recover and make the playoffs technically only be- because if they ran the table and then beat Clemson in the uh, ACC championship and finished 12 and one, they technically can get into the playoffs Um and, but their chances are probably low depending on what Virginia tech does. And then you got, Uh, that Clemson, Clemson still has a legitimate shot, but they got to, but there's no more margin for, for error. Like they got to blow the doors off of everybody else on the way through, unless Georgia, because, because if Georgia wins the sec finishes 12 and zero, and they beat Alabama in the sec championship, Clemson can actually get back in the playoffs because people, people can look and say, Oh, this was aside from a pick six, this was a 3 to 3 football game. Like this might be going different way. So I think Clemson still has a shot, but it's not good when your three best teams lose on opening I, weekend.
3: Yeah, I, I never want to say a team is out of it in in I, in fact, I don't think that September matters a lot. I think that there there are very few instances in college football where we've seen a September outcome end up come and bite a team in the butt in early December. Like that's There have been very few instances. However, in saying that, and I'm not trying to sit on the fence with this, the problem for Clemson is, yeah, they need Georgia to go and do their work, but if Georgia doesn't beat Alabama in the SEC title game, and let's just say that's how it plays out, there's no way that I think that if you had a conversation, even if Clemson ran the table, that you could take Clemson over Georgia in if they were battling for the final playoff spot just because of the head-to-head. The only saving grace that the ACC may have is that North Carolina actually has a game at Notre Dame later on this season where they could win, and then if Clemson keeps on winning. But they're void of their of the good wins, and while the Pac-12, to your point, it was the, it was the bottom of the Pac-12 that wasn't winning, the top of the Pac-12, Oregon's got Ohio State coming up on Saturday. And so if you win that game, now all of a sudden your conference is elevated to another level. There isn't another game in the entire ACC outside of North Carolina at Notre Dame that could even elevate the conference. And that's the toughest thing because you, you could run through that conference, George, and everybody's going to say, well, who did you play? You know, they're they're no good. Like that's, that's why yes, yesterday and Thursday for North Carolina – was so tough on the ACC is because their margin of error was so slim. They needed, they really, really needed Clemson to beat Georgia, Georgia to set the standard for the rest of the conference. Now it's just an uphill climb. I, I think it's going to be difficult for the ACC. They're going to need a lot of stuff to get to get right. Even though I don't think a lot of times September matters, but if it comes down to it, if Georgia and Clemson are both one loss teams, how in the world do you take a Clemson, even though they're a conference champion, over the team that beat them in the first week of the season?
4: I oh, you, you can. You can't, <laughs> you can't, it, it, there's no way there. Yeah. There's no way that you can because head to head matchups matter. And truthfully, the only place where they actually try to discount those types of things is in the SEC. are like, Oh, well, if, if you played them 25 times then Alabama would win 23 then, well, it, but they, but they didn't this time. So it sure. doesn't matter.
3: I think there's I think there could be some interesting debates. I think there could be if Clemson ends up running the table, I think that there could be debates if we're down to it about maybe even a two-loss school in 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 maybe the Big 10. You know, as it turned out the Big 10 openers were great because they didn't have to have all of their top teams lose because some of their top teams were playing each other. It was great for Penn State and it was great for Iowa with this past weekend. Maybe not so much for Indiana and Wisconsin, but we're not looking at the Big 10 as being a weaker league because of of what happened of like an Illinois losing it over the weekend. We're not looking at it like that, but that's how we are looking at the ACC and Pac-12 still's got still has time and as you said, their big pieces are still unblemished. Get George. Yeah. On Twitter, at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Buyer on Fox. Want to look like a million bucks but only spend a handful of bucks? Upgrade to a Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor for a noticeably smooth shave thanks to their six precision-cut stainless steel blades. Find your perfect shave wherever you shop, in-store and online at dollarshaveclub.com. That's dollarshaveclub.com. Welcome to the club. Ralph Irvin's a part of the club. He brings us the latest of what's going on on this Labor Day weekend Sunday. What's happening, Ralph?
7: You guys are doing all this calculus when it, it comes down to four simple figures. UCLA will be in the final four, so who cares?
3: No, they'll be undefeated. <laughs> there you go.
7: Uh, so you're, Ralph. You're, you're forgetting you're forgetting that calculus that they look. Just, the only person more impressive
3: was Alabama this week.
7: So that's all that, that really matters.
3: Maybe. I'll tell you what. Ohio State's game on Thursday, after seeing uh, some of the top teams perform, maybe you're saying, you know what, maybe C.J. Stroud looked a little bit better than we thought at first blush, (laughs) considering how uh, some of the others showed up yesterday. Yeah, and speaking of showing up, the American League
7: East did not show up today. Uh, Minnesota, a ninth inning RBI from Nick Gordon snaps a three-game Twins losing streak. They beat Tampa Bay 6-5. But down the standings, well, the Yankees gave up four in the seventh inning. They fall to Baltimore, 8-7. And Cleveland had a five-run ninth inning to cap a 11-5 win over Boston. So everybody at the top of that division was in the losing column tonight. The Mets, a six-run ninth inning that capped a 13-6 win over Washington. Right now, though, Atlanta, top team in the NL East, has a 9-2 lead over Colorado. That is in the bottom of the eighth inning. St. Louis still trying to stay alive in that National League wildcard race. They have a 5-1 lead as they play at Milwaukee. Tyler O'Neill a two-run homer there for the Cardinals. And Houston still trailing at San Diego. The Padres had a three-run first inning, and that's all it's taken. 3-1 the Padres over the Astros in the fifth inning. Now at the PGA Tour Championship, they're on to the 18th hole and Patrick Cantlay still in the lead spot at 20 under par, one shot ahead of John Rahm. Again, on the 18th hole, also on the 18th hole, the second-to-last grouping that features Kevin Na. He is five shots back of the pace, and there's one match still on the course at the Solheim Cup. The U.S. two points behind, 8.5 to 6.5 to Team Europe. As we send it back, it is Fox Sports Sunday, Dan Byer and George Reister.
3: Thank you very much, Ralph. Get George on Twitter at George Royster. Find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. We were talking about Alabama in Miami, and I I don't know if it's even fun anymore watching Alabama. I I, really? I just I I mean there is like you know you mentioned their 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 greatness earlier, and I mean it is one of the, one of the great things about yesterday. And, and about this first weekend. As I mentioned, the, the quarterback player. We talked about uh, Clemson and DJ Unger-Lale, um having the. Ui Ungalale having the. Uh, I don't know, I, you can't say a baptism because, as we mentioned, he'd already started a couple of games, but the season opener was just tough, and going up against that Georgia defense was tough. Made a joke about C.J. Stroud because there seemed to be Thursday night and then Friday morning such a reaction to the Ohio State quarterback who, if you just looked at the numbers, had a great game, but maybe if you watched the three and a half hours, there were, there were you know, a little left a little bit more to be desired there. But Alabama just comes in, brings in Bryce Young, Looks like looks like he's been there for five years. Uh Jamison Williams comes in as a transfer from Ohio State, gets a 94-yard touchdown reception. I mean, it just it doesn't stop, and it is, I, I, I you know, and, and then saying this as a, as a fan of a school that's trying to trying to knock off Alabama, maybe that's. Maybe that's the bias coming in, but at some point, George, to me, it's just going to be patriot-like, where it's like, can you just show that that you're human? Like the the only time that we've really seen it was when Tua went down with his hip injury, you know, and you had to have something drastic happen where you're like, oh my goodness, you know, the 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 Alabama football program actually may be in a little bit of a shaky spot here. It had to be, you know, unfortunately, a serious injury for anything to derail what Alabama has been doing. And that's that's the frustrating thing, I think, of anybody who's trying to catch Alabama is even the top teams, even Spencer Rattler yesterday had a tough day against Tulane and and getting picked off a bunch of times. Oklahoma still wins, but you're saying, all right, there's these growing pains, and Alabama just doesn't seem
4: to have it. Well, see, here's here's the thing, is that Alabama does something that other teams, some teams strive to do it, And then some teams don't pay attention to the details as much. So, yes, Alabama recruits at an extremely high level, which, you know, is the difference between winning and losing a lot of games. But one of the other things that Alabama does, they are an attention to detail like they do not beat themselves. They rarely commit a lot of penalties, not a lot of personal fouls like they like they keep the like they do the and they don't turn the ball over a lot and those are the things that like not turning the ball over is the biggest uh, correlation between winning and losing the whoever wins the turnover battle pretty much wins every single game. It's like 85% or something like that. And then if you add on it, where if you get a defensive or a special teams touchdown, you're at like 98% chance to win. So I, that's one of the things that they do extremely well. And I, for one, am not bored by Alabama, probably because I spent 10 years like betting against Alabama. I was like, l- l- listen, they're overrated, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And they're not. So now I can fully enjoy it. And then seeing that I got a chance to see Bryce Young play in high school. So I'm kind of invested in in him. And like, they just seem to pick the right players. Like what, whatever their eva- evaluation process is, because you'll see, uh, like if I'm looking at the recruiting rankings right now, and when you go back to 2021, right, and, and, and mind, mind you, Alabama gets some of the benefit of the doubt with some of these recruits that after they commit to Alabama, they actually get a bump in the ratings. Uh, but if you look at Alabama, Alabama actually signs more three stars than even uh, like some of these, some of these other schools. Like, they, like they'll, they'll sign four, five, three stars. And then, yes, they'll get a bunch of five stars and four stars, too. But the fact that they don't really care about the evaluation – I'm sorry, that about the ranking process. And mm-hmm. they're like, we're going to get guys that fit this criteria. And if he's a three star, so be it. If he's a five star, so be it. And that's the thing that I really love about it. And that's the thing that I actually think that you'll see – a lot from Chip Kelly as well, and I think he can turn UCLA into a juggernaut if he can continue to uh, win, because then he'll he will be able to recruit players from all over the the country to be able to fit his system. So I'm all in on Alabama at this point point in time. They are fun to watch, and it's the way football is supposed to be played.
3: Uh, the 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 Alabama juggernaut is just, I mean, it it, it is truly just rolling and rolling and rolling. <laughs> But it's it's not reminiscent of, and you just mentioned UCLA, and I just wanted to make this point because it dawned on me last night as I'm watching it. When I moved to Southern California in 2005, it was in the middle of the heyday of USC football, and again, nothing rivals the Lakers or the Dodgers in this town when it comes to those teams. However, USC was such a story, and it was it was such an interesting feel because of how just that program rolled on and how people were invested in it. And it's been quiet for the last decade or so. It hasn't been like that. And so, to even even if it's UCLA, to have a college football program in Southern California be you know worthy of attention and worthy of people getting excited, I was actually excited for that. It doesn't mean I'm going to be a UCLA fan. Just it feels different in the fall that you're not just only focused on Dodgers in the postseason and Lakers training camp. I know there's two NFL teams here now, but it's just, it's a different town. But now you could have you could have that sort of energy just on the street at Westwood. Like that's that that's what. Oh I, yeah. I took from yesterday which was a little, you know, was which was man, this this could actually, you know, reverberate throughout the city. But man, the Alabama thing is just is just tough. Plus guys are willing to wait at Alabama. Like, you know, like Ohio State I think played eight true freshmen in their game on Thursday against uh against Minnesota and, and you know, Alabama like just like, all right, you know, we'll get our opportunity. You know, you'll you'll get your opportunity to shine and move on and move through the program and yeah just it's just it's just getting old because they just seem so far ahead of everyone else. And, I, and there was a time when I thought that Ohio State and Clemson caught them, and then you saw what happened in last year's national championship and you, game. In, you know and-
4: yeah, but the difference is is that last year's offense for Alabama was historically good, mm-hmm. and this team is not as good as last year's team. However, <laughs> that, I, I, I think that yesterday on display, you saw two things. Alabama's really good and they're they're consistent, but that Miami's also nowhere near a really good football team right now.
3: He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. There's going to be a new look to college football. We'll talk about that next year on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. At Bed
2: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be President Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Fox Sports Sunday, I'm
3: Dan Beyer. He's the NFL vet, George Reister, of course, playing his college ball at Oregon. Get George on Twitter, at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Byer on Fox. I just think that the uh, Big 12 is delaying the inevitable, and I know there's nothing that they could really do, George, but reports surfaced on Friday. Sports Illustrated, then uh, ESPN and others followed that the Big 12 was set to add four schools as Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and Houston We're going to uh, apply to become new members of the Big Twelve as soon as this upcoming week, and uh, it just this stuff naturally happens. George, you you decide who a Power Five is or a Group of Five is, and it just kind of naturally takes shape. And I think at some point. When when we move on a little bit more from this, it's just going to be the Power Four. I, I I don't think that we're going to look at the Big Twelve as a real Power Five conference when it comes down to especially football. I I think the addition. I know that this conference didn't have really anywhere to go, but maybe to add these schools. But I just don't. I think in the end, this will kind of naturally fall into place where we're not looking at the Big Twelve as a Power Five anymore, and we're looking at just Pac Twelve, Big Ten, ACC, and SEC. Let me guess. Is George muted?
4: That was my initial thought, Dan. That was my initial thought. Mm
6: -hmm.
4: Was that they were going to, you know, essentially be a, you know, relegated to group of five status. But then I looked at the teams that they would be potentially adding. BYU has a big following, a big brand, right? Right. Not yeah. in, in terms of independence, not as, not as big as Notre Dame, but they have a huge following. No. Yeah. You They're look at, yeah. And then you look at Houston, Houston has something extremely special. Houston has what Oregon has. They have an owner essentially in Tillman for And if Tillman is willing to put the resources into them being a, uh, a big time school, they are going to uh, you know, fast track the process of being really good. And then you look at UCF, like I I do think that these schools can catch up to be power fives really quickly. And so I do think that we're still gonna have the five leagues until there's a huge merger between some of these leagues.
3: I, I just wonder how long it is for Kansas or Kansas State or an Oklahoma State to kind of be even a West Virginia of being like, okay, what are we What are we? What are we doing here? Nobody else wants them. That's the problem. Nobody else wants them. I I know, but I think that the landscape could change, and I think that maybe other, you know, I think that the Big Ten, I think they would be open to a Kansas and Kansas State edition at some point. Um, I, and that's what I think it's going to be. I don't know if the Pac-12 will look at Oklahoma State. I don't know if it it makes sense for them, or, but I just think it's going to be a matter of time. The SEC may look to expand to eighteen. Who knows? Then. It, that I just think that this is this is abandoned. The, the conference as a Big 12, it was their only option, but realistically, I just don't think this, it just turns into the American Athletic Conference and how we view it, and that's how I think we're going to end up viewing the Big 12 with these four additions, and it's going to take a couple of years for them to get in, but it's just it's a band-aid over a much bigger wound. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer This is Fox Sports Sunday. If it's the end for Cam Newton, how will he be remembered? We talk about it next here on Fox.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: I don't know if it's a double standard, George, but there are certain things that bother me when it comes to sports and sports debates and sports talk and chats with buddies and conversations on social media. Can I, can I, tell, you, can I tell you a couple of them?
4: Get it off get it off your chest, okay. man. Don't hold that this, stuff inside. It this gets is, to your clothes and
3: it's what this is what annoys me is perfect example is I just we talked a little bit ago how just to me Alabama's dominance now is just it's not even fun anymore. It's just it's you know, there there's there's not excitement because you just know what's going to happen. There's not a question of of what's gonna happen. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. And I use Alabama as the perfect uh, description here because what I hear what we've talked about throughout the preseason in the NFL are comments like, you know what? I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to to get the job done in in Philadelphia. I don't know if he's going to be a starting quarterback. And you know what? The Dolphins need Deshaun Watson. Tua is not the guy. He is not the guy there. And then in New England, and now Mac Jones is the starter there. But there was the debate of you know who's going to be the starter, Cam Newton or Mac Jones. So we're we're kind of we're we have the jury still out on Tua. The jury still out on Jalen Hurts, and we have no idea what's going to happen with Mac Jones. But in the same breath, people will say, huh, Alabama had a quarterback room where they have three starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So it's like, in, in one hand, you're, you're propping up Alabama and being like, man, what a factory <laughs> it is. But on the other hand, you're not giving any of their quarterbacks any credit and, in fact, are, are disparaging them because you don't know if they're going to be starting quarterbacks. And I kind of feel, I kind of feel George, that that's what happens with Cam Newton. Is, there is there's a group of people that have never liked Cam's game, if not like Cam as a player, if not like Cam as a person, and then once he gets cut by the Patriots, they say, where can he go to next? So wait a sec. So if you sat there and you've tore him apart... And you don't say he's a good quarterback and he can't yeah, do this right. and that. Now Why you're trying to Why do you think
4: to... he would go anywhere next?
3: Yes, exactly. And that and, and and it just it it bothers me and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just a sports media thing. I don't know if buddies do this stuff if of, but it's like you kind of can't have it both ways. Either you believe in the guy or you don't believe in the guy. Oh, I believe, Dan. you know, like, the, like I just, it, it to me, it just, it happens too often. And those are just two examples that I've noticed
4: recently. Oh, Dan, you went and went all Pollyanna on me. Man. I know. It, it is. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So you, but, but in, in that, you, you are right. But at the same time, you have to realize. The point in time that we live in and the way media is treated, right, is that there are so many people that try to put up the front or say, you know, oh, they want to be first to the story. They want to be, you know, I came up with this great take so I get credit on the back end instead of actually waiting to see what actually happens, which is the most prudent approach, right? Sure. Sure. So so yeah, everybody wants to, oh, Cam sucks, he's done. Tiger Woods is done. He should never play again. And I was like, yo, Tiger, and and I'm talking about pre oh, yeah. last crash. And I'm You're like, right. and I was screaming like, yo, this is one of the greatest golfers of all time. Like maybe he won't be the as dominant as he was, but he'll win again if he's playing. Like like a broke clock is right twice a day, especially when you have that type of type of talent. He'll get it right at least once, right? So, and that ended up happening in the in the Masters in 2019. And I am a believer in that, yes, what did you show on film last? Cam showed, I believe, the the last time that we saw him in a preseason game, that he's still worthy, number one, of being an NFL quarterback, first, somewhere mm-hmm. on the roster. Second thing is, is that There are teams that he can start for, but he's I don't believe he's an upper echelon quarterback anymore because we because for the last three years that we've seen him, well, well, two and then an an injury year, we haven't seen that. So that's what I take from Cam is I'm like, all right. He's still worthy worthy of being in the NFL, but it doesn't appear that he's still, you know, upper echelon quarterback anymore, which is two separate things
3: like you could. You could discuss on and and I don't even want to say like Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick and, and Mac Jones was a mid first rounder and the mid first rounder beat out Cam. I just yeah, I don't know any scenarios and and it's not of is Cam better than this guy or is he not better than this guy? But any scenarios where that would fit right now in the NFL, in the thirty-two jobs that are out there, um, even in Philadelphia, yeah. if you have questions about Jalen Hurts, I still yeah, think that he you would may like. Be to, cor- yeah, you'd like to know correct. more about him.
4: Yeah, he may be the best quarterback. Like I, I, I think that. When, when, when people get to talking about who's better, who's better, you do have to consider the situation as well, which is um, that in New England, they needed to be that they have to be looking for their quarterback of the future and, you know, preparing for right now as well. So Cam may still be better than Mac Jones. But the Patriots may, may be saying Mac Jones is good enough that, that they're close right, right now. And that Mac Jones is at least he's going to, that we want to get him, get him in. He's good enough to put in an NFL game and that he'll get better and better as the season goes on. And then they didn't want to deal with, I, I believe, Cam and his unavailability with, with COVID. And, and he reminds me of Carmelo Anthony, Dan, in that re- remember when Carmelo Anthony first was out of the league and everybody was like, oh, he's washed, he can't play anymore, yep. all, all yep. of that. But in reality, he needed to have kind of a come to Jesus moment and say, hold up, maybe like, like and, and realize, because at that point in time, he wasn't willing to come off the bench. And Cam may have to right now be willing to come off the bench until he gets his next opportunity. And the question is, is he willing to do that? So I think that that's where the questions around Cam for me surround at this point in time.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say Carmelo because, you know, during the week I'm at the news desk during the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. And over the last few weeks, uh, there you know, Carmelo ends up signing with the Lakers and then we have the cam situation. and So I kind of posed these questions to Doug to get his thoughts on it. And I asked him when, when Carmelo signed with the Lakers is, what is what is Carmelo going to be most known for? Is it going to be his time in New York? Is it uh, taking the Nuggets to the Western Conference Final? Is it winning a national championship with Syracuse? And that's the same question that I actually posed with Cam Newton. Now, when you look back at Cam's career, and there was success in the NFL. It wasn't sustained success, but he was the first overall pick of a draft and ended up winning an MVP and taking his team to a Super Bowl. I don't know if that will pass what he did in Uh, you know, at Auburn in winning the Heisman and leading them to the national championship, though. And that's what I think is so unique about Cam Newton is because he was a face of the NFL. He was the biggest face five, six years ago because of his MVP season and what he was doing. But ultimately, when you take Cam Newton, you look at the entire body of work, I actually think that what he did at Auburn in that one season is probably going to end up being his greatest accomplishment.
4: Oh, see... I think that NFL MVP is a, is a pretty doggone high achievement, even though it's not a national championship, but, but he did win the Heisman and a national championship there at, at at Auburn. And when you asked the uh, question initially, before we went to break, I thought about it more of his NFL career, as opposed Mm -hmm. to comparing his college career to his NFL career. And then I was looking, I was like, okay, hold up. How will we remember cam in the NFL? And then that got me looking at the MVP list and I said, okay, he will probably be remembered very similar to a guy who won the MVP right after him, which is Matt Ryan. And, or like, yeah. uh, like that yeah. Matt, Matt Ryan, he'll be remembered as a good quarterback, not trans, not a transcendent player, but but then I thought, okay, hold up. Cam Newton actually kind of broke the mold, if you if you will. Like he's a he was Josh Allen prior to Josh Allen. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like a guy who's a great athlete, big arm, all of these things, and that's what people like. If you were designing a quarterback in in a lab, Cam Newton is what you would come out with. Oh or or Josh Allen is what you would come out with. Uh he's a good runner. He's big, strong, he can physical enough to take a to take a hit, willing runner, all all of these things. That's what you would that's what you would design. You wouldn't design Tom Brady. You wouldn't design any of that. And that's where I think that he'll be remembered like the quarterbacks who won MVPs but didn't necessarily win championships, kinda like a um, yeah. A Steve Steve McNair, Rich Gannon, or Matt Ryan.
3: Yeah, I I actually think and, and and Cam Newton runs more than Josh Allen. The guy that that I think that I think if you draw it up, it probably would I would say it would be Aaron because Rodgers because uh, Rod, cause Rodgers also gives you the threat of the run with not being a running quarterback like Allen or to the next level of Cam Newton or even to the next level of that of, of Lamar Jackson. And I've, I've never, never once taken away cams running ability and not used it in trying to judge him as a quarterback, because that is completely who he was. And I've said for years that, that you know, give me Cam Newton. Give me eight years of Cam Newton running the football and passing the football. I don't need sixteen years of him. Of you know, the last eight of him just being a pocket passer. Why? That's not if, who, if, if he's because he's elite it didn't, at that. And but he would the, never he never was. He had a cannon as an arm, but he would overthrow
4: guys cor- you know by like thirty yards because his footwork was his footwork was. Atrocious! Like sure, any any quarterback coach looks at Cam and they're like, "Oh no, no, don't do that." But, <laughs> you know, he, I mean, it's it's really really
3: bad. It's really he, really bad. He would but throw fastballs. Yeah, he throw fastballs to Greg Olson like eight yards away, and it'd be coming in at like ninety miles an hour. Like he like he has a cannon. He could throw the ball on a rope. There was there was no doubt about that. It's just sometimes he didn't necessarily know where it was going and wasn't hitting his intended target. But what made Cam so so dangerous? Was his ability to run and the the threat of the run, and I should actually put it the other way: it's the threat of the run and the ability to be a part of the running game because that's what he was like. He's he like there there were there's designed runs for Cam like Josh Allen when you actually look at the the numbers and see what Buffalo now is trying to do. They're relying a lot more on his his arm than his legs, but if you need him inside the ten or inside the five. Josh Allen's going to get into the end zone for you. He's able to see. Do that's that. what
4: I'm saying. Is you know? that is is that is that Cam was the 1.0 version, and Josh Josh Allen is the is the 2.0 version. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Where where like Michael Vick was the 1.0 version, Lamar Jackson is the 2.0 version, and and, and that he's but Lamar Jackson has to become a better passer. As, as as well, so like I think that Aaron Rodgers is obviously all the physical tools that you would ask for in a quarterback. He is he's got a cannon for an arm. He is smart. He's he's accurate. And I think that Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers two point oh. His so he, he's the he's the better version. Sure, sure. And and in, in my mind, you know, we
3: we posted on Twitter. Cam Newton's career, absolutely, positively, no doubt about it, one hundred percent a success. You yes. take a guy number one, he wins you an MVP, he takes you to a Super Bowl. You mentioned the the what you know. What do LSU fans want, or what do fan bases really want when you have that pick and you're looking for that guy? And to know that there were some years of growing pains, and there was some other stuff, but Cam Newton. Ended up delivering that to Carolina, and I know they didn't get it done in the Super Bowl, but you take everything there, even if this is the absolute end, I don't think that there should be slander
4: on well, Cam Newton's name. Think, think about this. Whose career would you uh, rather have? Or, or who had a more successful career? Uh, Andrew Luck or Cam Newton? Oh, Cam Newton. Exactly. That's that's the point. Is that, that that's not an unsuccessful yeah. ca- career. Whose career has been been more successful, Cam Newtons or Matt Ryan's? Uh, I I would take Cam's with the college I would take Cam edit. too.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd take Cam's with the with the college edit into there because I think that plays a part as well. Yep. He's George. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. The Cowboys enter Thursday night's opener a bit short-handed. We'll explain how it will affect them against the Bucks next year on Fox Sports Sunday.
6: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every
2: home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Fox Sports
3: Sunday on this Labor Day weekend. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. We're talking NFL. We're all friends here as Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, also a Sirius XM NFL Radio, and the Inside the Birds podcast joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Little Birdie told me, Adam, that you uh, were weighing in on George's options when it came to cam newton or and when it came to cam newton or matt ryan in terms of a career you would choose who i think matt ryan's had a better career but i'm probably going to be in the minority here because
8: just how cam has kind of regressed in the last three years Mm -hmm. certainly would have said that three years ago but i'm i just don't know where cam is at this point in his career i mean he's only 32 but i just don't know what he has left i never thought i'd say that but it's been a while since he's played highly competent football sure let let, let yeah,
3: me ask well, you this, or, or go ahead, go ahead, George. Go ahead. And then I'll then I'll follow up because yes. okay. it's a different. Yeah,
4: Adam, Adam, my my only, I guess, retort for that is yes. Um, Matt Ryan's been a 4,000-yard passer pretty much every year of his entire ca- career, but, like, the touchdowns aren't very high and and also he doesn't make the playoffs on a regular basis. Like, so, so, like, that's where I'm like, I got six in one hand, half a dozen in the other one, and Cam has at least been a transcendent player on some levels.
8: I mean, if you would have asked me after 17, I, I would say, no, Cam clearly is. You know, if you just look at the way that he was playing at 28 years old with, with the Panthers, and then you know the shoulder injuries, um, his inability to to kind of recover from that the right way. And I think what happened there was the accumulation of hits uh, to that right shoulder just did, it's kind of cur- curtailed his career. I, I know he was healthy enough to play, uh, clearly, in training camp, but he clearly got beaten out by Mac Jones. So you know, since he was 28, it's been downhill. And I, I, but again, the quarterback position is one. I've learned this you know, pretty much throughout my career here. I've seen guys move on and later in, in their careers just kind of respond. And I'm hoping you know, Cam now at, at 32 could be one of those guys where people think he's finished you know, he gets himself right. He goes with a team that wants him and gives him a chance to rebuild his career. And I, I, the other thing is there's been this sort of narrative around the league that he maybe he wouldn't be a good backup. If he's not a starter, then it might not work. I don't know about that. I, I, I want to see what happens here uh, when he revives his career here over the next few months and see what happens as a
3: backup. Adam Kaplan joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. The angle that I was going to go with something that George and I talked about. If you are a franchise and you take a quarterback number one overall, like what should your expectations, you know, what should they have been? Were they, do you think the Carolina Panthers would have been satisfied or should be satisfied with what Cam provided them during his time there?
8: Well, look, he got to a Super Bowl. Um, he was, as George said, really just special at one point in his career. Yeah. What, what the a, a really a dual threat and with that size and arm strength and athleticism, it's all everything that you want. And then Yeah, I, I would say yeah, I would say that, yeah. Because again, he got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, quite, it, it's a great question. It's actually a great debate. What for first round pick, how many years do you have to get out of the player? My thing is you better get a second contract where or, or the guy's a disappointment or a bust. Well they got way more than that. So I, no, they they I would say to answer your question, it's a great one. I would absolutely say they got they got plenty out of him.
4: And Like, I'm looking at at Adam, kind of the start to this season, and with Dak Prescott, and people are saying that, oh, he's completely healthy, he's trumpeting his his horn, and so are the coaches. I don't quite believe him 100%, do you? Here's where I'm at, George, with this right shoulder strain. It's not in a normal
8: area where you would just drain your muscle and two weeks will be fine. It's in an odd area. Uh, so the way they had to rebuild his shoulder in terms of strength is they he would just toss around lightly. Then he went to 7-on-7, seven seven, and this week he'll do 11-on-11. 11 11, and that's great. And they say it'll be fine for week one and, and so forth. But here's the thing, as you know being a player, you don't know how a player responds to an injury like this until he gets hit. And we, you cannot hit quarterbacks in practice, as you know. That's why they wear a red jersey. So until we see the Bucks, who have one of the best defenses in football, throw him to the ground on Thursday night, we're just not going to know how it responds and, and how he opens it up, too. Because, you know, they, one thing the Cowboys have is they've got a great receiver core. They're, they're very deep there. And we, we could talk about the offensive line issues that they have now, which are definitely troubling, which, with the news that came out today. But, you know, overall, I'm very anxious to see how far downfield Dak could throw. And then it, when he does... In-game, by the way, in-game, does he keep
3: doing it, or is he sore, and do they reduce it? See, that's the thing we just don't know yet. See, that's how you know Adam Kaplan's a professional, because we teased it. So he knew that we were going to ask him I the question. So I Yeah, so I'll do it. <laughs> Zach Martin, <laughs> test positive for COVID-19, not going to yeah. be there Thursday. How does that affect them against that defensive line and that defensive front of Tampa?
8: Yeah, one note, just so you know, he's got to wait five days, even if he, even if he gets two negative tests within 24 hours he's got to wait five days due to the protocol so that would get be Friday it's a day after the game so he's ineligible to play this week. Uh, Connor Williams uh, who's their uh, is their other guard there he just came off the COVID list so they're going to get him back he actually practiced today they just got Lyle Collins back the right tackle from his neck injury remember he missed all last season. Now Connor McGovern who was a I think third round pick three years ago uh, he will start f- for a Connor Williams, and that really crushes their depth on the interior of their offensive line. And one thing I do want to mention about the Bucks is I think we forget how good their defense was. It was shaking the first half of last season, but they wanted a great run with Todd Bowles. And that's why Todd is probably going to be head coach next year because he really got this thing going. It's really one of the most underrated parts. Everybody talks about Brady, and rightfully so. But let's not forget about how good their defense is.
4: Yeah, and this these are times where we're looking at kind of the changing of, of of offense, the changing, the way coaches handle, handle things. Um, how, how do you like, how do general managers and, uh, front office people that you talk to look at seeing how the quarterback position is changing? Because it seems like now that guys like Justin Fields, um, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, that these mobile quarter—not not running quarterbacks. Trey Lance, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that this is the uh, future as opposed to the statue Tom Brady quarterbacks that those seem like that they're gone
2: forever. Oh, it's
8: changed, George. I'm so glad you brought this up. It's the so-called second reaction quarterback. When the pocket breaks down like Russell Wilson, what can he do with his legs? Yeah, you— if you really look at this draft, and Zach Wilson could drop back, but I mean he can move. He's not such a yep. uh, you know a stone feet, so to speak. Yeah, you don't really see the statuesque quarterback being that guy that they draft much anymore. They they want Trevor Lawrence as an athlete. He can move. He could do both, obviously. Yeah, I I would say it's fair. And and what teams are doing. Another thing uh, to this, what you're asking, what we're seeing now is teams are more willing to go with better depth on the interior of their defensive line. You want guys who could rush the passer and collapse the pocket because quarterbacks hate the pressure up the middle, and you're seeing teams uh, loading up in the middle and, and having these special players at D-tackle. They're you know, in Donald to the world, uh, Fletcher Cox, guys like that. They're hard to find, but when you could find that, uh, you'll hold on to those guys. They're, they're, that, that's the thing now about this league. You've got to be able to make these quarterbacks move because they can move if you move them up their spot you've got a much better success uh, rate uh, against that quarterback.
3: Adam Kaplan joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Get him on Twitter, at KaplanNFL. Last one for me. I know it's kind of general, but I think that it fits as we're talking uh, the season starting this week. Are the Kansas City Chiefs immune from a Super Bowl hangover? You know, We've seen it in the past. The Rams didn't make the playoffs. The 49ers had injuries last year, even though the Rams won nine games the next year. But there has been a history of teams, after they lose the Super Bowl, having that hangover. Is Kansas City immune from that?
8: No. I I, Well, let's put it this way. They addressed what they had to address. They had to rebuild the offensive line. Well, guess what? They're going to have five new starters this season. Uh, Well, four four right now, for sure. And then five, if Duvernay Tardif could have come back from his broken hand this week, then he could start, but Trey Smith right now is starting at right guard. But they've got good depth now in the offensive line, really good depth. But the issue that they have guys, it's not about a hangover; uh, it's depth at certain positions. They have zero depth at receiver. I mean, they just don't. Byron Pringle is a kickoff returner. Is uh, their top backup receiver? Who's back actually been a nice story of development. He's definitely a receiver now and and a, and a returner. Um, not, they don't have a lot of depth in the defensive line. That would concern me, but I don't think there's any kind of hangover then you got the chris jones legal situation we have to see how that plays out you know but overall no i think they're i think they're in fine shape they're obviously a lock to win the division the question is how much better now is the afc is there anyone who could seriously challenge them that 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 to me is the question right now
4: um adam we have been hearing all, all last week from from brian flores telling us that Tua's his guy, telling his team that. And he's been so adamant about it. I understand he's been questioned about it a lot. But, yep. you know, it's one of those things I'm like, are you trying to convince us or you're trying to convince yourself? So <laughs> yeah, um, right. what? For the co- quarterback, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I know that they want Tua to believe that he's got total confidence in him. But what's the actual, I guess, realistic view of the Miami Dolphins about how they view Tua?
8: Well, I've said for now, gosh, five or six months that they're, cl- they're clearly not completely sold on him. Uh, they're just not. Um, they, they like him. I look, they drafted him fifth overall. But the fact that they pulled him out twice last season, they would have pulled him out a third time and benched him in week 17 against Buffalo where they got blown out. He, he played poorly, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the COVID list, so they couldn't do that. So that's not a good thing. I mean, you, when you, if you pull your quarterback three times, what, what, you know, what are you really saying here? Now, is, is there or are they going to do this again with Jacoby Brissett as a relief pitcher? You can't do that. That's not a good way to build a quarterback's confidence. You never do that with a proven veteran. And Now, you, the other thing is, the other shoe here is obviously Deshaun Watson and all the rumors. And you know, we've talked about this probably 20 times over the last 10 weeks or so on, on our, on our uh, segment here. The, the fact of the matter is they've never denied that they had interest in, in Deshaun Watson. They've never shut it down, never put a statement out because the fact is they've had interest in him. And that tells you, George, with your question, Uh, they're not completely sold on them. If if they were sold on Tua, they never would entertain the thought of or calling the Texans as they have in the past.
3: Next week at this time, we will be talking about actual NFL regular season games. Can't wait. Adam, we appreciate it. Yeah, looking forward to next week. Thanks. We'll do it again then.
8: All right, guys. Good luck. Thank you.
3: Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL Insider, also here on the Inside the Birds podcast and SiriusXM NFL Radio. Find him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. It's our final edition of Easy as One, Two, Three, Four of 2021. It comes up after Ralph Irvin gives us the latest of what's going on, including a big comeback in one Major League Baseball city. Ralph, it is all yours. Give a boy a bat
7: and a ball, and he will dream. Of the bases loaded, two outs in the bottom of the ninth, down three. And today, that boy is Daniel Vogelbach.
6: Swing and a drive to right and deep. Get up! Get up!
2: Get out of here! Gone! For Daniel Vogelbach! He just hit a lock-off grand slam home run!
7: And who else to deliver it but Bob Euchre on the Brewers <laughs> Radio Network? <laughs> It can't oh. get much better than that in the world of sports highlights. Uh, Milwaukee does beat St. Louis 6 5 on the walk off Grand Slam. Meanwhile, Houston gets home runs from Yuli Guriel and Carlos Correa. They're now tied with San Diego, locked at three in the top of the eighth inning. Seattle and Arizona tied at three. They're in the ninth. And Texas holding a 7 3 advantage over the Angels. That's in the seventh inning. It's just gone final. The Cubs, 11 8 winners over. Pittsburgh, Frank Schwindel with the Grand Slam. That's the difference in the ballgame. At the PGA Tour Championship, Patrick Cantlay is your winner, finishing at 21 under par, one shot ahead of John Rahm. It's Cantlay's fourth win of the season. And headed into singles on Monday at the Solheim Cup, the Europe has a 9-7 lead. We send it back now. It is Dan Beyer and George Reister.
3: Ralph, don't go too far because you will serve as a lifeline to George Reister, as will Iowa Sam, our technical producer, and our executive producer, Ryan Bershinger, as we play our final episode again of 2021 of Easy As 1234. I give George a topic. He doesn't have to give me all of the correct answers, just some of them, and he has the three guys there to help him out as lifelines. The over-under set today, George Listen, I, I think that there are two easy questions. I think that there are two difficult questions. We're going to make it seven and a half, okay? Over under Ooh, seven wow. and a half today.
4: Well, so. listen, I'm still protesting from two games ago, so I'm just letting you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't think there's anything to protest here. I think it's, everything's pretty much cut and dry, just like it was a few weeks ago. I digress. George, name one of two schools that were part of the Southwest Conference when it disbanded in 1996 that won't be in the new SEC or the new Big 12. So the Southwest Conference ended up breaking up in 1996 and you had the Big 12 forming. What two schools were a part of that Southwest Conference that won't be in the new Big 12 and won't be in the new SEC? Oh, my
4: God. That won't, Oh. Yes, there won't be in the a Big twelve or yeah. the SEC. Okay, so this is one of the tougher. Ones. So the Southwest Conference had pretty much all the Texas schools in it, and plus like Arkansas and uh, all. the – Okay, hold up. So, uh, all right, I know that I do remember that Rice was in there. I don't remember when they got out, but I do know that obviously they are a you know still in Conference USA mm-hmm. or the AAC or whatever. So aside from them, I can't think of anybody else because TCU, Texas Tech, Texas, Baylor, all the all of those Texas schools were in it, and they're still going to be in the new Big Twelve. So I'm going to go with Rice. Okay. All right. Uh, Wait. Show- yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I should. I I started to say SMU, but I don't remember. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Rice, though.
3: All right, show me Rice. There they are, the Rice Owls. One of two schools. No the All other right. school was SMU. Yes, they they were a part of the Southwest Conference uh, when it disbanded in 1996. You mentioned Arkansas. Arkansas ducked out in 1991. Uh, to join the SEC, but yeah, Houston was actually a part of that Southwest Conference as well. Yeah, it was like an entire
4: Texas conference plus Arkansas. It was the weirdest thing.
3: (laughs) All right, George. Off and running, one for one, and all of your lifelines still available. Name two of three SEC schools that don't have a win yet this
4: college football season. All right, so you had In the SEC, I know Tennessee won. Oh, LSU lost. Duh. We just talked about that. Um, And oh, God. All right. I'm going to call on Mr. Ralph Irvin because while I'm thinking, because oh, my God. I just tweeted about this. I just tweeted about it. It's freaking Vanderbilt because they, because Vanderbilt, Illinois, um uh and uh washington and some school they took terrible terrible losses uh vanderbilt lost to some directional school i don't remember which so it's vanderbilt and it's uh obviously lsu which we talked about earlier
3: all right so you don't need ralph on this one you're gonna nope, go i, on was, your I own. was gonna
4: call ralph because he he would know from the updates
3: yeah he's at the news desk uh all right show me lsu Yes, we know that they lost to UCLA and don't have a win yet on the season. And show me Vanderbilt. Yes, they lost to East Tennessee 23-3 to yesterday. The other school that doesn't have a win, Ole Miss, because they haven't played yet. So there was that was part of a
4: trick question, oh, but because they play on Monday versus yes. Lou, uh,
3: Louisville, yes, they do with no Lane Kiffin because of uh, because of COVID. So George Reister is three of three, and that seven and a half is looking pretty tasty. All right, George, name three of four. You have all your lifelines left as well. Name three of four Stanford players that finished as a runner up in the Heisman voting over the last twenty years.
4: Okay, there have I'm been four Stanford with...
3: players that were runner-up in the Heisman voting. Needing three okay. of them.
4: Oh God, this is a uh, okay. I this is a layup, dude. This is Christian McCaffrey, Toby Gerhardt, and Andrew Luck. All right, those are your final answers. Yep. All right, show me Andrew Luck.
3: Yeah, I actually did it twice, twenty ten and twenty eleven. Was a runner-up uh, two years. For Stanford, show me Christian McCaffrey. Twenty fifteen. Some people still say that he should have won. He should have won. If
4: that if year. yep, if if he weren't white, he would have he would have won. Um if he weren't white and the Pac twelve weren't playing at eight PM, which is eleven PM Eastern, he would have won.
3: And show me Toby Gerhardt. There it
4: is, two thousand
3: nine. The other one, there was another. Bryce Love,
4: twenty seventeen. Yes, see, I couldn't remember whether Bryce Love finished second or not, but yeah, that was. But but the other three, I knew for for sure. And you, did, did you put this as an over under of seven today.
3: Well, ah. well, the the reason was I didn't know if you would get the first one. I figured you would actually get the Vanderbilt and. uh LSU ones and maybe even catch on with the Ole Miss this one the Stanford one was kind of a layup I thought because oh yeah the and and, but it was what was surprising the reason that it was included was that five times in the last 12-13 seasons a Stanford player has finished as the runner-up in the Heisman. It was, even just looking at the column, it was kind of, if you're an OCD person, it was like, Stanford, Stanford, Stanford. And I'm like, oh my goodness. How many times did they finish runner-up? Yeah, five times. Four different players, because Andrew Luck had it twice. All right. George has not used any of his lifelines. So, Ralph Irvin, Iowa Sam, and Ryan Bershinger will mm-hmm. all be available to him on the last question of the 2021 edition of Easy as One, Two, Three, Four. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me, Dan Beyer, on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. You can play along next to right here on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Terms and conditions apply.
3: Fox Sports Sunday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. I hope you're having a fun Labor Day weekend. If you're on the roads, please be safe. Don't go speeding everywhere. I want you to uh, comply with the speed limit, right, George? Got to be safe on those roads. Yes, you do. Although in Southern California, you know, my family, uh, uh, 99.9% of my family is still back in the state of Wisconsin. And they always say, you like, how's the traffic out there? And I'm like, it's actually pretty easy to drive because you don't go anywhere. Like, you can't go anywhere. With, you know, you're like going 10, 15 miles per hour on the freeway. So don't worry. It's pretty safe that way. But on oh, um, weekends of- like this, it's a little wide, you know, more wide open.
4: Speaking of that, real, real quick, are you, are you okay after Saturday? Uh, why is that? You're what? Badgers. Oh,
3: well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I've never really cheered for Wisconsin. We've been over this. Oh, I Heaven forgot or, yeah. you are an
4: Ohio State fan, yeah. and you got to get your yeah. ass kicked this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: oh, you feel that good about your team, huh? We'll,
4: we'll oh, dude, see. dude, uh, you oh, okay? Real, real question: How did you feel about C.J. Stroud's initial performance?
3: Yeah, I think that there was a, a lot to be desired, but as yes, I, the further and away uh, I and came the, uh, stats from, stats
4: completely the. the the uh, stats looked way better than his actual game, right? Yes, but I yes. also
3: think of the situation that they were in, and I feel a little bit better about it. So
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. I I f- I think it's going to be a good game and exciting. So uh, I, Thibodeau's I supp-
3: status is the I think is the no the no thing.
4: He's, uh, in, he's in he's fine. in fine pro pro tip he'll be he'll be out there. All right. All right. And and I mean, obviously, he won't be 100. But if if he gets to 95, I think 95% of him is probably, you know, better than better than probably every other defensive lineman in college football. So he he should still have an impact. But that's literally all he's going to be be doing because school school hasn't even started at Oregon yet so what do you think he's been doing ever since he got in the locker room yesterday treatment I wonder if that's why sleeping, they kept in the out. hyperbaric yeah. <laughs> sleeping in the hyperbaric uh, uh, ankle above your heart massage dude he's not even going to get a chance to go home probably he'll probably <laughs> just sleep at the facility well, maybe he's
3: listening right now, and maybe he's playing along and easy as one, two, three, four. because, George, you have an opportunity to end this season's episodes with a perfect score. Six for six so far, and you have all three of your lifelines left. Oh, Let's yeah. see if you can get the final question. George, again, six for six so far. Name four of five, George, on our final question. NFL teams that have the longest droughts of appearing in a conference title game. So the five NFL teams, I just need four of them, that have had the longest droughts of appearing in an AFC or NFC
4: conference title game. Hmm. (sighs) Okay. Okay, okay, okay. If we think about this, right, like that... Like All your lifelines are there, you know. I I I I, I, know. I want to talk through it the way I can give them the parameters, right? Okay. So obviously you have to have teams that haven't been any good. Like so, I'm thinking the Lions have to be in there. But now I'm going to call on Mr. Ralph Irvin. Um, Who do you have? I already got the Lions. they okay. well, they're Cleveland. locked in.
7: Has not been in since.
4: I can't even tell you. Okay, okay. Um, I would and say Cleveland. I'm Cle- um, in w- with the Cleveland Browns.
7: And and I would say this because I don't think Houston's ever been there. So they've been around since what two thousand? No, no,
4: no, no, no. They've been around since like ninety. 90- the Texans? Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. They they came in after the Jaguars because I was yeah. in the late. League when so, and- so I
7: mean, you figure it's got to be over twenty years for anybody you're thinking about.
4: Um,
3: well, shoot,
7: the Dallas Cowboys haven't been in that long.
4: All right, we're under
3: thirty seconds. Okay, George.
4: Dallas and the Houston Texans. I'll, I'll give them that. All right, you don't, you don't want a
3: bit from Ryan or Sam. You yeah, guys okay. Got any team quick, Sam. Draw- Throw out a team. I was Sam. All
2: right, here are my teams that you didn't list. All right, I had uh the Bengals and the Dolphins. Bengals and the Dolphins had so we had Houston, Cleveland, Bengals, Lions, Dolphins, Dallas. Got oh, 30 Lord seconds to mercy. go.
7: I'd like I like Bengals and Browns and and, and Lions. If you need three,
4: okay. You need I, four? I'll go with Bengals, Browns, okay. Ly- I'm gonna go with Bengals, Browns, Lions, and Dolphins.
3: Okay, show me the Bengals. All right, the Bengals, 32 years. Show me the Lions. 29 years. Show me the Browns. And for the win, show me the
0: Dolphins. Yes! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: The NFL season is fast approaching, but we have to quickly look back at George's perfect score on easy as one, two, three, four. If you just missed it, I just have to pay it off because we hit right up against the break with your 10th and correct answer, George, of the NFL teams that have the longest droughts of appearing in a conference title game. Bengals the longest at 32. We mentioned the Lions at 29. Washington also spent 29 years. If you remember, in 1991, Barry Sanders and the Lions went to Washington, ended up losing that game, but neither team has been back to the NFC Championship game since there. The Browns, even with two years off as a franchise, had their uh, streak at 28, and then the Dolphins at 28 years of not appearing in a conference title. The Cowboys were oh-so-close at 25 years, followed by the Texans at 19, and then... The Raiders, eighteen years since they've been in a conference title game. All of those wow, teams looking to went, end the droughts up. this that year. That was
4: eighteen years ago. That like Rich Gannon was quarterback.
3: Yes, yes, Good it was.
4: God, dude, I'm old. <laughs> hey,
3: no, I know. Time, time sure flies, doesn't it? That was. Uh, I mean,
4: granted, granted, I was, I was still in. I, I, I think it was in. Wait, eighteen years ago. That was what two thousand three. Oh, that was the that was the year I got drafted. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still young. I'm that would
3: have, yeah. That was. Uh, then they ended up losing to the Buccaneers in Super Bowl thirty seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, that season, and then just uh, yeah, I have not been back. What was crazy was looking at the list and actually seeing the number of teams that have that have made it somewhat recently um, that is kind of like the, you know, just as a, as a Seahawks fan, it's been six seasons since they've been to a conference title game. And they were actually a bit further up on the list than I thought. I thought they would have been, you know, maybe, you know, would have been one of the shorter droughts, but it wasn't because you've just had certain teams being able to, to crack through, you know, the bills last year ended their drought and uh, you know, Packers and chiefs had made it in back to back years, but Yeah, the 49ers uh, making it uh, two seasons ago and and the Buccaneers ending their drought from when they made it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, so there was there were some there were some longer streaks that were ended last season, but there's still some longer ones there. But it's crazy to think that the Raiders and and, you know, the Cowboys is talked about so much. But Washington was the one that actually really threw me for a curve because they played in that game against the Lions. And that was the last time both of them made it to the uh, to the conference championship games. So I, I don't know if we're going to get a repeat of Buffalo and Kansas City this year, but I do want to start to preview and look ahead to what we have in store in the 2021 season, and as George and I have gotten together on every Sunday throughout the summer talking football, I I just I, I may sound like a broken record, but I just think that the AFC is a superior conference to the NFC, and it's not meant to be a, a hot take, but when you're trying to figure out the seven teams that will make the playoffs in in, in each conference – I think in the NFC you're trying to figure out, okay, are there seven teams? Whereas opposed to the AFC, you're just trying to figure out what seven teams are going to make it and which ones are being left out. I just think there's many more candidates for postseason appearances in the AFC than there is the NFC.
4: Yeah, I I would agree with that. This is a this is a year to where And we're in another era, I think, of the NFL where we're going to have a bunch of repeat performances like that, that, that where, you know, for so many years, the Colts and the Steelers and the uh, and the Patriots were always in it. Right. Like one of one of them was always in it. And then you look at now with the AFC, you got Kansas City just just racking it up three, three Mm -hmm. years in in a row now and then and before that well and and also so it'll be either Kansas City or the Bills in there for the for the foreseeable future um yeah so uh, this is cyclical it's just different teams now when when i asked adam kaplan last hour
3: and for those of you that missed it you can always check it out on the podcast at foxsportsradio.com when i asked adam kaplan about are the chiefs immune from a hangover It actually was a legitimate question because I do believe that there is such a thing as a Super Bowl hangover when you lose. Because
4: it's proven.
3: Yeah, and, and I just would think as a player that you have to go and go through everything that you went through the year before. And it has to pay off again. Like of all the work that you put in, it's a long season, it's a long grind. You overcome obstacles, and then to fall one step short, and then realize that you're back at the starting line and have to do it again when you didn't accomplish your goal, I think would just be frustrating. That it's it's. I don't know if it's like a shoots and ladders sort of thing, George. But when you have to uh, when you have to fall back and start from you know the beginning or close to the beginning. It's frustrating and that's what I think would build in with a team and why I think that teams like have a difficult time when they lose because you put so much in and you still didn't accomplish oh, your goal look- that you don't have something to show for it.
4: Okay, so aside from the Patriots because you have to throw them throw them out yeah. and and the uh, Chiefs because the Chiefs made it back after Well, actually, the uh Chiefs just just lost so we'll see what happens this year. But okay, look what happened to the uh the 49ers, 49ers. In 2019, the Rams in 2018, they've fallen off. Uh, well, they they fell the off one, and then they made the playoffs again this year. The Atlanta Falcons, this ain't even the same team. Like they didn't even make the playoffs and, after and, that.
3: And I would say this that the Falcons that year, they they because they did go back against the Philadelphia. And they played in that that crazy game where the Eagles ended up almost losing. But the Falcons, that first half of the year, they were not good. I felt I no. that the Super Bowl was a hangover for them, and getting back to that point was was difficult. Um, and, and like that oh. Super Bowl over. they didn't make the playoffs the next year. But yeah, they, but uh, it, it, it hasn't been
4: team. the same. Like e- ever Correct. since then, it's been all downhill. The Carolina Panthers been. All downhill, kind of since they lost the Super Bowl, like there have been so many teams that this has happened to. They happened to the Giants, happened to the the uh, Saints fell off for a second after they did uh, that Super mm-hmm. Bowl loser hangover is very, very real,
3: yeah, and and the take the Seahawks when they ended up losing to the Patriots in super Bowl forty nine they made it to the playoffs the next year and they faced Carolina, who ended up going to the Super Bowl. Carolina put, you know, like 35 on them in the first, like it was like the Seahawks had to come back and make it a game, but they, they weren't that Super Bowl caliber team. And then the next year Falcons ran them off the field. So there's, there is a bit of a, there is something to it. And maybe it's a hangover of not, it's not necessarily talking about not making the playoffs, but the reason why I just think it's, it's it's a legitimate question with Kansas city is because there are so many contenders. And if the chiefs end up losing in the divisional playoffs or don't get the number one overall seed, I would think that maybe some of that Super Bowl hangover is a part of that. And I think that there, you talked about the bills knocking on the door. I really think Cleveland has an opportunity. It's amazing on how much George, we have talked about the Cleveland Browns in years past, and now they finally have a good season, a really good season. They end their playoff drought, and there's no drama in Cleveland anymore. So we're not even talking about them. We're, we're, like, we're not even talking about is Odell Beckham Jr. going to ruin the chemistry now that he's coming back from his knee injury. Like, we're not even having that conversation. And I bring that up. Not saying that he's going to ruin the chemistry, but that is what you get in sports talk radio. Yeah. You get well, the hot takes like that, and we're not even talking about that because I think people believe that Cleveland is on such solid footing entering this year.
4: Yeah, yeah, they and with the way that Baker Mayfield played last season, you actually believe that they will be able to integrate Odell Beckham Jr. in back into their offense with, without Baker feeling like he needs to force him the ball. Yeah. Because he is so so good, which actually should like if he's organically getting the football, then everything will be a-, a okay. The only thing that could put a monkey rich in a program is that if Baker if he can't deal with him, if he can't deal with Odell Beckham being you know that guy, you know what I mean, and 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 wanting the ball, but also him being able to manage the game and get him the ball organically instead of, you know, forcing it to him.
3: This is going to come out as a negative towards Odell Beckham Jr. But in reality, George, it's the first time the team has had leverage over Odell Beckham Jr. in where they are. Because you could say that the Giants needed him desperately. They they needed him on the field because Eli Manning needed somebody to throw to. They needed his talents. And then when he came over via the trade – you're saying, "Wow, well, okay, now Cleveland has their number one receiver. Baker Mayfield's going to you know, need a guy like that. They're going to need that all-pro receiver. Odell's got to get his. You know, He's got to get his. And now because of the success that they had with the running game and Nick Chubb and what they've done with their offensive line and the way that Baker has played, you can make the argument, maybe most importantly to what you said, is he's coming back from a knee injury and they th- seem to thrive without him last year, that the team doesn't need him. That the Browns actually have the leverage over Odell Beckham Jr. instead of vice versa, so it's going to be up to Odell Beckham Jr. And this isn't a, this isn't a referendum on Odell Beckham Jr. But if Odell's if he's not fitting in, the Browns will just go on. Though they've got Jarvis Landry, they've got Donovan Peoples Jones, yeah, they've the- got <laughs> other guys. They don't they they proved last year that they don't
4: need him. And, I, I don't and, think they need him like well no 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 I'm sorry I do think that they need him to win a super Bowl but but here's the other thing I don't think he necessarily wants to be there either like I think that he would rather be somewhere else he doesn't like there is nothing about Odell Beckham jr and his personality and all that stuff that that says I want to live in Cleveland you see what I'm saying sure. like like th- that now that I don't believe so so while he may have to be be out he won't be he won't cry about it he'll be like oh well you know it's very very unfortunate i gave it my best hopefully you don't send me to minnesota you know what i mean <laughs> he's like he's like send me to miami send me to LA send me to Houston just the, I mean dude he reminds me a little bit in that way of James Harden like imagine James Harden having to play for the Timberwolves or having to play for uh you know like a team that is geographically undesirable sure sure i get i get what you're saying i
3: i do think I do think that Odell wants to win. I do, I, I, I do believe that because there were, there were times with the Giants where after losses he was uh, frustrated. So I do believe that that is the case. But they don't have to force the ball to him any anymore. Baker doesn't have that on his shoulders because they proved last year that they were, they were just fine when he went out with the knee injury. To your point, yeah, it would be great if they had him and he could help aid them to their Super Bowl. But in the overall point of this whole conversation is, We're not even talking about that. Like Cleveland's not even in the conversation, and how different is it because we would talk about them in years past because of how dysfunctional they were, but now I think it's such a stable franchise and a stable team under Kevin Stefanski that we're not even having those conversations. We're talking more about what Pittsburgh's going to do with Big Ben, and is his arm going to hold up, what's going to happen with the Colts, who, by the way... I really liked the Colts this offseason. I was a big fan of the Colts, even Mm-mm. with Carson Wentz as the, the the starting quarterback. However, I can't think of one good thing that has happened to the Colts in this this training camp in this offseason. <laughs> dude, I, they I, are. I mean, it is always a story with them.
4: COVID related, not COVID related. Uh, it's Murphy's Law, dude. It, yeah. Whatever can go wrong has gone wrong for for them. And I'm a person. I like. Dan, I I was completely opposite on you as it related to Carson Wentz and their and their offseason. I mm-hmm. didn't like it. I think that it's very risky because I mean if if Frank Wright can fix him, then you're fine. But there's no guarantee that you can fix him. You know
3: what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's very fair. I I am believing that he will be better. But I also then believe too that T Y Hilton would be healthy, and T Y Hilton's not healthy. Like nothing has gone well for the Colts Quentin, this offseason. Quentin
4: Nelson, even though he may be out there, is yeah. not a hundred percent. Carson Wentz is not a hundred percent. And th- this was something yeah. that I asked the the other day, Dan. I was like, "How long is Carson Wentz's leash?" Considering he didn't get a full training camp, all of this stuff, like how long are Colts fans and Frank Reich have to be patient if he has a slow start? Well, I, I
3: I think that they're gonna have to be patient because I don't think that they're ready to turn it over to Jacob Eason, especially if Sam Ellinger was was pushing him in the preseason. I think that tells you all you need to know.
4: Yeah, but I, I mean, I am saying, like, when do you start positioning for a draft pick for next season? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I mean, it could it, it could be a one and done because uh, I honestly think that their core, like, you got a good running back, you've got your offensive line, your defense is actually one of the better ones in the NFL. Um, you just paid Darius Leonard a lot of money, um, so like, like your window is now. So I think that the patience is going to be um, thinner, you know, not not as. Not not as long as it would be in other situations. I, it just and, and it hasn't been a good offseason. I, 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 the AFC, I think that there are about 10 teams that could make the playoffs. I, I, I don't think that the Jets are in contention. Houston and Jacksonville aren't. I don't think Cincinnati is. And I don't think that the Raiders are. So of those five teams, that means 11 other teams I actually think have an opportunity. I think Denver's got a chance. I think the Chargers have a chance. But at the top, and that's where we start, I actually think that Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cleveland are your top three teams. I, I like Cleveland winning the AFC North this year. Crazy as it sounds, George. He is George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Get George on Twitter, at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter, at Dan Byer on Fox. All right, that's the AFC. Who can dethrone Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the NFC? That conversation next year on Fox Sports Sunday.
5: visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the paramount plus with showtime annual plan offer ends July 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply
1: tired of restless nights meet Lisa the sleep (sighs) expert. here at Lisa we know that good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health that's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support catering to every sleep need Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. mattresses and select goods that's leesa.com forward slash iheart exclusions apply see lisa.com for more details
2: at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: So the Cowboys shorthanded against the Buccaneers team, George, as we take a look at the NFC that has every starter returning from a year ago as they try to defend their Super Bowl crowd. Sometimes Having everybody back isn't a great thing when you have certain teams, but in Tampa it is a really good thing when your quarterback's Tom Brady and you have a defense uh,
4: like that defense played towards the end of last season. Yeah. When you return everybody from a Super Bowl team, that's functional, right? Like, you don't have people fighting over contracts, trying to hold out, all of it. like, it's functional. That makes you extremely dangerous and that's what the buccaneers have right right now and i i just obviously there are things that can happen to cause them to not to be able to make the super bowl again not necessarily win it but make the super bowl again and that's obviously injuries but aside from injuries there doesn't appear to be anything that can derail them because tom tom brady's not going to come out and suck so, and 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 between uh, Mike and between Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Godwin, and then their tight end situation with Gronk, uh, OJ Howard, and uh, Brait, and all, like, <laughs> like what's 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 gonna happen? Like they have wow. so much depth that even if even if Mike Williams caught. Caught what, what, whatever's going on with Jamar Chase and he can't catch the ball, then you still have enough guys and quality guys that they'd be like, okay, Mike, just, just sit out. We'll, we'll start Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. Who would complain about that?
3: Yeah, not not many teams, uh, really. I mean, and we saw in the Super Bowl, Tom does like to go to guys that he relies on, and another year with Evans and another year with Godwin helps all of that. I do think that there are two things with the Buccaneers that I do think are up in the air. I still think that their running game, Uh, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and they did bring in Gio Bernard in the offseason, who's uh, a bit dinged up uh, heading into the season, I don't think that that running game was one that you would be uh, entirely proud of. I think that Ronald Jones is the better back, but I think that Ronald Jones sometimes gives you the too much of a roller coaster, so they actually would prefer Fournette, who is a bit uh, more steady. Uh, Just uh, put it in those terms. But the other thing that I think is actually the bigger issue, and it's something you said about Tom Brady is, We don't know if he's going to be Tom Brady for the entire season because, again, when you're that age and you're 44 years old... There is the question and and I still think I think it's a legitimate question. There's no the only data that we can point to is former quarterbacks just completely falling off like Peyton Manning or or Drew Brees, but yeah, but it no, no, no,
4: Dan, Dan, what are you talking about? I'm just saying I Peyton Manning was 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 injured and Drew Brees. We saw a gradual slowing down, right? That. That even if Tom Brady does slow down a bit this year, he's not going to fall off a cliff. Like he's still going to be a good quarterback and good enough to win a Super Bowl. Even if his skills, like, like, let's say he lost 3% of his skill or ability in the offseason okay. because he 3%. Yes. That's still <laughs> high. That's still, he's still going to be a top 10 quarterback. If even if he's down 3%. So I'm I I just don't see aside from him being hurt like you saw with Peyton Manning where his neck was all jacked up he couldn't throw the ball any of that the, it's well, the, there's nothing that if, can derail them if he is three percent
3: uh worse than he was in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay does Green oh, Bay yeah. win that game Oh
4: God um, Oh I'd I say mean,
3: probably yes. And that I mean he was bad in that well, game. He
4: was bad in that game. You know, he did have a big throw to
3: Scotty Miller. And, and 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 the point is the point is this. It's not of of does Green Bay win that game or not, but it does tell you that there are teams that are close to Tampa Bay and how close that game came. And Green Bay is one of those teams and for the as much drama as there was with Aaron Rodgers this offseason and there was a lot of drama There's been nothing but rave reviews on how Aaron Rodgers has incorporated himself back with the team and... His play doesn't seem to have dropped off any for not being at any of the team functions this offseason. So you'd have to think that Green Bay's in the mix. You'd have to think that the Rams are in the conversation because of the addition of Matthew Stafford and and the core that they've got back on defense. San Francisco should be healthier. Seattle, for, his, for the Russell Wilson drama that was there, Seattle really didn't change a whole lot. They ch- did try to improve the offensive line and change the offensive coordinators, but there wasn't a complete overhaul of, of really anything. So, So Seattle should be a team that competes. I don't know if they're good enough to win the NFC. But those are the teams. That's the question. If Brady drops 3%, are any of those teams New Orleans with Jameis Winston now? I mean, is New Orleans able to to close in? That's the question. And I think teams like Green Bay and the Rams, if Tom Brady does drop off 3%, can overtake Tampa in the NFC. Mm.
4: See, all right obviously and 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 here's the thing i think that we're 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 not taking into it, is that when you look at the teams that made the playoffs last year all of them are not going to make it this season so 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 i think that this is like crucially important so you're going to have new teams in the playoffs mm-hmm. This year, which probably will be a team like San Francisco and Seattle will probably be be back. And then you add in. Um, well,
3: Seattle made it last year.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I was saying that Seattle would be back in terms of a team that had that is a legitimate contender. OK, not just in, in the playoffs. And we will have a different champion in the NFC East. So if Dak stays healthy, the Cowboys could be a threat so I, I I think it's easy to just point to a couple of teams without necessarily recognizing that some of these teams like the 49ers Cowboys could actually come from not making the playoffs to being Super Bowl champions because of the dynamic of their team because they were so the Cowboys were so unhealthy on the offensive line and at the quarterback position that just adding the healthy bodies back is going to be a significant improvement for them.
3: I think you're going to see playoff teams in the AFC, that, that swap that you talk about. I think it's going to happen in the AFC. I actually don't see it in the NFC. The only team that it I... It happens last every year, Dan. I know it does. I know it does. But I just... The Bears are a team that I don't think people believe in that were a playoff team last year. So I think you take the Bears out. And if okay. you want to look at the NFC East, which Washington won last year, and I by the sound of it, you like Dallas to win that division. But I just I think so much has to go right for the Cowboys. And, and not like they were going – I I didn't think they were going to win week one, but now you go into week one and you don't have your all-pro guard. And Dak Prescott's arm is still trying to convince us everything is A-OK. I think that there are legitimate questions about Dallas entering. Maybe they overtake Washington, but I, I don't – I just – I don't see teams like Tampa and I don't see New Orleans falling off. I don't see Seattle and the Rams falling off and not making the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be as much change in the NFC. I just think that the NFC is really top heavy with a certain teams. There may be maybe one team or two dropping out from last year uh that ended up makes the that you swap from making the playoffs this year.
4: Well, the reality is, Dan, every year there are at least five new teams in the playoffs. Mhm. And all five are not going to be well, you you already said the of the Bears the other four are not going to be from the AFC. And, and and sometimes it's six or seven teams and, and you can never see it coming. So I am when when I look at it, I'm saying, all right. For, so from from last year, if you look at the playoff race, right, you had in the NFC, you had Green Bay, the Saints, the uh, Seattle, Washington, Tampa, the Rams, and the Bears, right? Yep. So now I got to make room for San Francisco and the Cowboys all already, right? So then that puts Washington and the Bears out, like you like you said. And then, so that could be the extent of the changes in the NFC, but the, the uh, Saints may be out as well. So now that's three new teams. So I so I definitely think that there's going to be some some changes. Minimum two, but probably three new teams coming in the NFC. And then, yeah,
3: I I feel like we know the 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 bad teams in the AFC. I, I I feel like that, and I think in the NFC, like we know Detroit is not in it to win this year. But I also yep. just I don't know a lot about Atlanta. I, I, I don't think that Carolina is there. I'm not a believer in Arizona uh at all. Philadelphia, I think that they've got a ways to go. So I just I don't I don't think it's as jumbled. I think that a majority of the changeover you would see is in the AFC and and not in the NFC. The way that these teams are built in the NFC, it just it's I, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's it's,
4: it's oh, uh, maybe on. it's just a hold gap. I, I don't on. know.
3: I just Dan, I, I Dan, like the I'm, I'm, I like the Rams, like the way that the, the Bucks and the Saints are built. Uh, Green Bay is going to be there, and I like Washington. So,
4: okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to call you on your on your on your AFC take, and 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 I know we got some stuff to do right now, but uh, but when we come back, though, dude, I'm definitely I. Oh my gosh! All right, I'll I tell just you, my gave you time time to prepare.
3: No, I've already got my AFC teams. Yeah, because there are three teams for the playoffs that made it last year that aren't going to make it this season. And I'll tell you who those are, plus our MVPs, after Ralph Irvin gives us the latest of what's happening on this Fox Sports Sunday.
7: Well, we already saw heroics in Milwaukee, and we saw that San Diego scored three runs in the first inning and nothing thereafter. That was until the bottom of the ninth,
2: and that's it in the air to deep right field. It's way back. Tucker looking up, gonna go walk off home run for Jake Cronenworth, and the Padres beat the Astros four to three on Jake's homer in the bottom of the ninth inning.
7: Padres radio network with the call. Not uh, quite the same as a walk off grand slam by Bob Uecker, but still a win nonetheless. San Diego four three win. They now hold that final wild card spot in the National League, have a half game lead over Cincinnati and a a three-and-a-half game lead over St. Louis. That's because Daniel Vogelbach's Grand Slam, the one we mentioned, lifted Milwaukee to a 6-5 win over the Cardinals. Now, on the field right now, that's just one game. To make it two games, Seattle has put four runs up in the 11th inning. They have a 7-3 lead over Arizona. That's in the 11th, while the Giants and Dodgers now tied at one. San Francisco had a Brandon Belt home run in the first inning. Will Smith has dropped in an RBI single for L.A., Again, they're locked at one. That's in the second inning. Texas, by the way, a 7-3 win over the LA Angels. Patrick Cantley takes the PGA's Tour Championship at 21 under par, one shot ahead of John Robbins' fourth win of the season. More importantly, it's good for $15 million. San Francisco signs defensive back Josh Norman, the veteran, going to the 49ers as they try to shore up that pass protection. We'll see if uh, he can help, but right now we're going to see his Who's going to win in the AFC? As we send it back, it's Dan Beyer and George
3: Reister. Thank you very much, Ralph. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. You want me to tell you the three teams that made the playoffs last year in the AFC that I don't think are going to make it this season? You want yes. to hear those, George? Okay. Yep. Pittsburgh? I think. I don't think Pittsburgh makes it. I don't think Tennessee makes it. And I don't think Baltimore makes it. I uh, Pittsburgh. I you lose Bud Dupree to that knee injury last year, and that defense was not the same in getting after the quarterback. I still have serious questions about Ben Roethlisberger. I know everybody's in love with Najee Harris and the new run game, but I just think that Pittsburgh takes a step back. I don't believe in Tennessee. I don't. I know. Speaking of Bud Dupree, he came so over then, from Pittsburgh so to Tennessee. So then,
4: who's going to win the AFC South?
3: I put Indianapolis. I picked oh the Colts. My God. Yeah. I have the Colts winning the AFC South. And I actually have the Browns winning the AFC North. And as crazy as it is, because of how things play out, I have three teams from the AFC West making the playoffs. Kansas City wins so, the division, and I like Denver and the Chargers to make the playoffs. The other oh wild card. God. The other wild card. Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, and the New England Patriots get a wild card in the AFC after not making it last year. That's how I think it plays out in the AFC.
4: Broncos to make the playoffs.
3: You have to realize the injuries that that team had to deal with last year. And now they Teddy feel Teddy Bridgewater
4: like, is their quarterback. I'll stop right there. I,
3: I understand. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I myself would have also have gone with Drew Locke, like you believe. But okay. I believe that their defense is going to be a top 10 defense, maybe a top five defense in the National Football League, and they will get enough offense. And they've okay. got weapons. So they've they've here, got a lot of my, weapons on offense.
4: Here's my Here's my question for you is this is how many games do you think Kansas City is going to win this year? I, I, I haven't gone – you know, Out of the 17. 17.
3: Seventeen, will just say like uh, 12 or 13. We'll go 13. 13
4: okay. and 4. 13 and 4. 13 and 4 may not get you the, uh, the uh, one seed, but – but okay. So let's say Kansas City wins 13 games. How many games are the uh Kansas I'm sorry, the Chargers going to win?
3: Let's give the Chargers 10 wins this season.
4: So they're going to go remember, 10 and 7.
3: Yeah, and remember the AFC West is playing the NFC East this year. Yep. Which I think really helps them in that in that crossover fashion because you so, get the Giants, you get the Eagles, you Get the so Cowboys. my uh,
4: point is, is that okay? So then, how many games do you think the Denver Broncos are going to win?
3: Let's put it, let's put them at ten and seven as well. They they tie the Chargers with ten wins.
4: So you essentially believe that the Ra So so, so then that means that you believe the Raiders are going to win like six games. And, and and the reason why I say that is because of the way that divisions yeah. are set up that they play each of them twice. So like they all can't win. Correct. Y- yeah. You know. So. I don't Um, think the Raiders
3: are going to be very good at all.
4: Okay. Well, my team's (laughs) that a more realistic view of this. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. I got Kansas City in the playoffs.
3: Yep. The Bills in the playoffs. Okay. I have no problem with that. Uh,
4: I have the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs only because somebody's got to win that division. Sure. Um, And the Baltimore Ravens are in the playoffs. All right. At, so from from uh, there, I think that from uh, there you're going to get. I actually think that the AFC is less wide open. I actually think the AFC has less changeover than the NFC does. So I think the Chargers make the playoffs.
3: Okay, that'd and, be one. Huh? That'd be one new team that would make
4: it. it. And I got the Miami Dolphins making the playoffs.
3: Okay. So you think you think that that Tua and the Dolphins will be able to make
6: that next step?
4: Uh I don't know about the next step. I st- I still think that they may have some questions for for Tua after, but as far as their long-term prospects, but I do think that they will be good enough for that he will be good enough for them to, you know, win a uh, Eleven All games to right. so go. Eleven well, and
3: six. Well, then, then who do you have not making the playoffs between Pittsburgh and Baltimore? If that's where it comes down to, because that's what it sounds. I mean, excuse me, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, because you had Baltimore win the division.
4: I got. I would say I would put my money on Pittsburgh because, wow, I... and the reason why is because aside of when Ben Roethlisberger has started and finished the season. Mike Tomlin makes the playoffs like 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 they're like death taxes and Mike Tomlin making the the, uh, playoffs. And he almost made it two years ago with uh, with uh, with a makeshift with a a makeshift uh, quarterback position. They had Randolph and uh, everybody else trying to play quarter quarterback, too. And they were one game away. So I believe more in Mike Tomlin and what he has to do than what I believe in Baker Mayfield and those guys.
3: It's actually why I believe in Bill Belichick uh, over what Brian Flores and the Dolphins are doing. It's because I believe in the head coach. I just think I think Cleveland's really good. I I mean, and and running the football, and if their defense is is any better, um, you know, I I don't want to say Jadevian Clowney. But at least, they, I mean, you've got Miles Garrett. I I think Cleveland defense should be better, and I I just think that they're solid. I I like the Browns. I like the Browns. Well, I picked them to win the division. I don't. As you heard. It, that,
4: that's the thing is, I don't hate the Browns. I just think that, that it is it is going to be tough, dude. But a sleeper pick i'm telling you a sleeper pick in the afc south i know that everybody's going to sound to say that this is crazy but is the houston texans dude? they signed a bunch of free agents they're not going to be good two years from now but this year they could have enough to win that division
3: they i i they're not going to be people think they're going to be oh seven oh and 17 no they're going to win games i'm surprised that you think that they could be a playoff contender though I, I have said win well, when,
4: when the divisions. Somebody had to win the, e- <laughs> the NFC East <laughs> last year, that's and that's enough. what it's going to look like.
3: All right, he's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. We'll wrap this baby up. MVP picks and who's going to win Super Bowl 56. The Fox Sports Sunday NFL preview continues next year on Fox Sports Radio.
5: visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the paramount plus with showtime annual plan offer ends july 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply
1: tired of restless nights meet lisa the sleep (sighs) expert. here at lisa we know that good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health that's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support catering to every sleep need Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress 5 Years Running.
2: Terms and conditions apply. Fox
3: Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Beyer. He's George Reister. Notre Dame on the board quickly against Florida State at seven nothing. Uh, not much of a
4: surprise, dude,
3: man. Florida State
4: there. I, I was more. I didn't take as much stock of Notre. I'm sorry, as uh, Florida State on that drive. As I was like. This Notre Dame offense looks different. Like, this is not the same thing that they were doing last year and the year before that and the year before that. Brian Kelly appears to be – like, I think he is priming Notre Dame for a real run at a potential national championship because if they can have a good offense like that is – because in prior years they have been slow – they had been you know like kind of anemic at times offensively and stuck in the stone ages but if that's the way that they're going to play boy they're going to be tough
3: yeah ian book has moved on i don't think it's a ian book was actually a really good quarterback for uh, yeah. for notre dame uh, jack yeah Cohen, but
4: he Wisconsin wasn't a, he he wasn't an elite passer over. no he, he wasn't huh. an elite passer and just the style of offense that they ran wasn't wasn't what we just saw right now in that first drive and i know it's the first drive which was scripted but still
3: yeah we'll have to see how this plays out but notre dame out early scoring in their first possession seven nothing all right george mvp of the nfl season who do you think stands above and earns the most valuable player honor for the 2021 campaign patrick mahomes (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, is this because he's Patrick Mahomes is this because nobody can match up to him but how does Patrick Mahomes get another MVP award
4: uh, just being Patrick Mahomes mm. like you know his team is probably going to either be the one or two seed in the AFC so that automatically puts you in the MVP yep. convert conversation he's going to throw for 40 plus touchdowns because this is what he does every, every year so you know, so that automatically is going to put him high in the uh, MVP race category. And he's got the name, the cachet, all, all of that. And then my dark horse is Josh. Actually, I shouldn't even call it a dark horse, but my number two candidate is... It's Josh Allen because they love to give it to quarterbacks. So you, so you have to start and finish with quarterbacks. Even if a wide receiver runs, I'm sorry, even if a running back rushes for four, rushes for two thousand yards, you still have to go with the quarterback as your candidates. And Josh Allen is going to be on a good team. He's going to throw for over four thousand yards, a bunch of touchdowns. And assuming that last year was not an outlier, he'll be in that conversation too.
3: Yeah, Josh Allen is actually my MVP because I think they continue to have that success with Brian Dable still there. Ken Dorsey still uh, there. I think that Buffalo doesn't lose any momentum offensively. And in fact, there may even be more put on Josh Allen's shoulders. And honestly, their entire offense goes as he goes. And really, the entire team goes as he goes. And I think that Buffalo is going to be really good again and The only thing about Patrick Mahomes, why I wouldn't put him as the MVP and put Allen, is I still think that we take Patrick Mahomes for granted. I think that we just, whatever he does is just kind of ho-hum, where I think maybe we have more of the conversation. Even though Patrick Mahomes does crazy things, we're just like, well, that's Patrick Mahomes. He could win it every year. I think that Josh Allen, though, continues that momentum. And because of that, uh, uh, we're short on time, George, so i got to do this. Because of that, I really like Buffalo this year. So much so, Buffalo is going back to the Super Bowl. But they aren't going to get it done. They're going to actually lose to a team that, for the second straight year, wins in their home stadium. Super Bowl 56, on my paper, Rams over the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. That's my prediction. George Reister, your Super Bowl 56 prediction.
4: A repeat of last year, Kansas City, the Bucks. except this year, Kansas City wins.
3: Oh, wow. Going out on quite a limb there, George. Jeez, look at that. Uh, the old repeats of, uh, of Super Bowl 55, but Kansas City winning. Oh,
4: my goodness. There you go. I almost hey, had to throw it, my it headset. It happens sometimes, of... bro. <laughs> Listen, sometimes <laughs> the answer is the obvious one.
3: He's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. Have a great, happy Labor Day weekend and happy football season. We'll talk to you in week one.